Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. I'm going to talk to you about something very basic, 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 basic today. I'm going back to my roots. I really sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. And I asked him, what, what do you want me to share? Because I'm just going to tell you the truth. Anything I share with you is what I'm living out and walking. I don't go to books to find a, a sermon or a message. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not how the Holy Spirit instructed me from day one. And I've walked with the Lord now. This really surprised me. I mean, jaw-dropping surprised me. The other day I realized that I have been born again for 50 years. And I'm not sure how that could be. (laughs) I'm really not for sure how it could be. But I, I was born again when I was 20 years old, so do the math. And so, but today I'm gonna go back to my roots Because as I sought the Lord, I mean, there was so much I could share with you. But as I sought him, he just said to go back to the beginning. And so I'm going to go back to the beginning. And what I'm simply going to ask you to do is to get your direction to know the will of God from the word of God. Your primary source, your final authority, and your first place. To give the word of God first place and final authority in your life. And that's how I started my walk 50 years ago. By giving the word of God final authority. And I didn't even have anybody to tell me to do that. I just had him. You know, the Holy Spirit's enough. We'll read in a little bit ago what Jesus Christ actually said about the Holy Spirit. That he is so, he's everything we need. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our teacher. He's the one who guides us into all truth. So he's enough. And he's always been enough for me because in my early days, I didn't have anybody to teach me. I only had this. I had the word of God. I should have brought my original Bible. Well, my original Bible, as you know, my original Bible was a Bible that my mother-in-law gave to my husband in 1963. And I asked him if I could borrow it. We were engaged at the time. I asked him if I could borrow it. And I started reading the Word of God. And the Word became alive to me from the first time I ever opened it. And it's never ceased to be alive to me. And so today I'm just going to share with you, get your answers from the Word. And I'm going to give you some of my testimonies. And as I said, we have to be out of here so they can set up for the celebration of life. And so I want you to look at the screen. You're probably already looking at it. I thought this picture was just absolutely fascinating. And you can see that the air is like a womb, isn't it? Your air is your womb. Whatever you listen to, either good or bad, is conceived. And you will be given given birth to in due time and season. Choose what you listen to and what to ignore. You might want to take a picture of that with your phone. Because Jesus said, be careful what you hear. The time and measure of attention you give to what you hear will be the measure that comes back to you. So whatever you hear, what goes into your ears is what is going to be rooted in your heart. Now, I have just this good old-fashioned Bible here. I still use it every day. And I know you wonderful young people, if I ask you for your Bible, you'll probably hold up your phone. And I think it's great. I think that's a resource. But it shouldn't substitute. It really shouldn't. I mean, I learned a few years ago, I gave one of my grandchildren a birthday card, I guess it was. And they open it. And of course, what they really care about is the money inside of it. But but they're just squinting and looking and turning it all directions. And I'm, I was confused. And my daughter looked at me and she said, well, the kids aren't caught, taught cursive. Now, what's with that? I said, well, that's how I write and they're going to have to learn. 
And I thought, you know, I bet it's because everything's in the palm of your hand now and it's not in cursive, it's in print or whatever you call it. But the Bible is very, very clear to be very careful about what we hear and what we put inside of us. And, and the Bible says to receive the word engrafted, which is able to save your soul. And so I think we have to be very careful what we engraft, what we hear. And, and if we could leave this up and maybe, and live stream is probably just starting. Um, is it, Marty, it's, we're on live stream now. So if you could show this picture possibly so that they can see that what you hear is your spiritual womb, so to speak. And it goes down into your spirit being. And so garbage in, garbage out, right? Isn't that a computer term? And if you put a bunch of garbage in your ears, that's what's going to come out of you. There was a story I heard decades ago. At the time, it was the worst aviation disaster in history. I doubt that's still the case because of 9-11. I didn't look it up. But it was at Tenerife, and two 747s collided in midair. There was a man on one of them who was a believer, and his mother prayed over him before he left. And what come out, came out of her, because she had heard the word of God, what came out of her was when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither will the flame be kindled against you. And she declared that over her son, and he heard it, went down into his spirit, man. And the people around him literally became human torches. I heard him give this testimony. And the profanity coming out of the mouth. Now, I just reread this testimony the other day, and I was not offended, but the person telling the story was, and these little old ladies in their 60s and 70s, were cursing God. And the black box recovered from the cockpit. The first thing this pilot did was curse God. Well, where did that come from? That's what had been stored in him out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And But this man heard the word of God. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the people around him literally... He saw their flesh melt off of their body from the heat. Supernaturally, the top of the plane had been ripped off. And somehow, I wonder how, somehow he went through the top of the aircraft and slid down to safety. Now, he did have a compound fracture in his leg. But guess what? He healed and he wasn't burned. When he walked through the fire, he wasn't burned. Now, how can you deny that the word has the power, self-fulfilling power, it has the power to fulfill itself? But I'm probably preaching to the choir today. But I'm going to give some of my testimonies, and I felt this urging by the Holy Spirit, this strong, strong urging by the Holy Spirit. And I know it was him because, again, I, I typically, well, used to know exactly what I was going to share. But if you've been with me this fall season, you know that I've had opportunities that at the last minute, recently, as I was driving into the parking lot, the whole message changed. And I'm good with that. I trust the Lord. I trust my teacher. I trust the anointing. 1 John 2.27 says that the anointing that we have received from him lives in us. And the anointing is true and is not a lie. And as he has taught us, abide or remain or live in him. So I trust the anointing of God on me. I've walked in it for 50 years. That means I have a lot more experience than a lot of you. Not all of you. Some of you have more experience than me. 
But you know, the, the apostle John, the beloved of the Lord said, you don't have many teachers. Because honestly, to teach with accuracy, you've got to walk it out. And James chapter 3 says, teachers, it says, let not many of you be teachers because you will receive the stricter judgment. I found that to be true. I mean, I am on a very short leash. I'm just telling you. If you've been called to teach the word of God, you know what I'm talking about. Short leash. And I'm just telling you, I, I fear God. I mean, I reverence the Lord. I respect him. It would break my heart to break his. And so Psalm 119, 105 is the way we should live. The Lord, the word, you know this, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Tiffany, can you bring me a cell phone with flashlight lit, please? It's a good thing you're paying attention today. I usually walk in the day. I'm a pretty avid walker, but sometimes it gets a little late. I don't walk too late. But Randy always says, take a flashlight. I always say, have my phone. And I don't hold it out here. Where do I hold? I hold it right here. Right here. It is a, a light to my path. Why? So that I can see. Well, that's what the word of God is. It's a lamp and a light. And we, we neglect it. I'm just telling you, we neglect it a great deal. So I'm going to tell you some of my stories. But something that came to me last night that was just, it was like, God, wow, I know this, but now I know this. And it's 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3.16. Every scripture is God-breathed. So do you know that when you take the word of God as a lamp and a light, and maybe some people listening to me today have never even opened a Bible, well, it's time. When you take the word as your lamp and your light to lead and guide you and show you the path so that you don't stumble in darkness and get hurt. When you do that with the word of God and you treat it with that kind of respect, respect every word of God, it's got the breath of God in it. How did God create Adam? Well, he formed him from the dust. But he was lifeless. What gave Adam life? The breath, the ruach of God, R-U-A-C-H, Hebrew. The very spirit life of God came into Adam and gave him life. And from that life, an organic rib was taken and he fashioned women. That's why they're so, we're so much prettier. Men were made, but woman was fashioned. I think that's so lovely. I mean, we have curves that men don't have, right? And it doesn't matter what society tries to do to change that. You cannot change X, 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 Y ever. Women are fashioned and we should be proud of that and blessed by that. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful to be a woman. But when I go to the scripture, every scripture is God-breathed has the breath of God, if you can get that into you, you will love the word. Because when I read the word and I allow it to be engrafted into me, God's breath is breathing into me. And it is driving out, listen to me, it is driving out what was not born of God. So that everything that the Father did not plant is rooted out. Listen, I've lived this for 50 years. Have I, has it been tested like you wouldn't believe? If you knew half of the trials I've been through, you would wonder why I'm standing up here. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you the truth. So why is this so powerful? Well, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was, was with God, the word was God. The word is Jesus, Jesus is the word, period. Thank God it's written down so that we can read him. You know, if I write you a letter, what are you doing? You are reading me, right? You're reading me. And it's not that Hallmark and Gibson and Carlton and whatever haven't done a good job. But nothing replaces a personal note. 
Nothing. I received, <laughs> I lost count of the number of cards that I was so blessed with when, when my sister passed last February. So many. But the ones that meant the most were the ones that said something about her. Why? Because, because it contained life. This book is life. Hebrews 4.12, I've given you my testimony on this when I was in my 20s. And I, I clearly remember I was taking a shower. And uh, I was so tired of struggling. I was so tired of struggling. I mean, I was struggling with insecurity and inferiority and inadequacy and self-hatred. Anybody ever been there? And jealousy and comparison. And there's no win in comparison. You'll never win by comparing yourself to anybody else ever. One of my sisters was telling me that apparently that beautiful, and I love her. I just think she is, I think she's so genuine because she's so real, and that's Dolly Parton. And that she was on something. I don't know. I didn't see it. And, and uh, she said, I want to go to her plastic surgeon. And she said, you, you should watch it. I said, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to compare. She's five years older than me and look, looks a whole lot better. And, and I just, I think she's lovely because she's honest. I mean, she doesn't try to pretend. She says, if you could nip it, tuck it, and whatever, blab it and grab it, I'll do it, or however she says it. You know, I just think we ought to be honest and authentic and not artificial about, I don't care what you do. I mean, those are external things, and that's perfectly fine. I remember when Gloria Copeland was here, and Cindy said, what do you do to stay looking so young? Her answer was, everything I can. I think that's valid. We should do everything we can or want to. But I, but I was just struggling with just not liking me. And I remember I was a young believer and I said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to keep struggling like this, Lord. Lord, show me from your word what to do. And I heard as loud as I can hear my voice right now, Hebrews 4.12. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, it is active, operative, energizing, effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to divide asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And there is no creature hidden from his side. And I, I read, I heard that, and I knew that the word was alive and that it would cut through. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It would cut through all the junk that was taking place in my soul. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. And it would cut through and pierce and divide and show me truth from what was false. And I took God at his word. He, the ruach, the life, the spirit life of God was in that word for me and set me free. Now, I've had to walk it out, but I'm so happy to walk out the word. How do we overcome Revelation 12, 11? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What is that? The word of God and not loving our own lives. Rick, in his book, Flying Higher, I don't know if we have any more, gives the seven ways God guides, and they're very good. 2 Corinthians 13, 1 says that you've got to have the testimony of two or three for a thing to be established. And so I'll tell you what the seven ways are, but that's... Not particularly what I'm talking about today. He was talking about making decisions, and, and I am too. But for me, the primary way God guides, which is one of the seven ways, is the Word. So it's Scripture, the inner witness, the peace of God, which is our empire, confirmation, godly counsel. There is safety in a multitude of counselors. Provision. Why? Where God guides, God provides. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If he tells you to do something, the provision's going to be there. I have news for you, honey. If the provision's not there, you better pray again. I have had people tell me the stupidest things. 
And I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you. God told me, and they've got all this grandeur, and yet they're living in abject poverty. Well, okay, maybe he did, but if he told you that, and by faith you receive his grace, the provision's going to be there. That's all there is to it. I was talking to someone the other day who open something. I'm not going to give any details about it at all. And she said, and I, and I took out a jumbo loan. That's, those were her exact words. And I'm not saying not to take a loan out. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you what she told me. She said, I took out a jumbo loan. And, and I looked at her and I thought, I mean, she was already slender, but she was like, literally looked like a skeleton that somebody had painted flesh on. And I looked at her, I said her name and I said, You've really lost weight. And she said, I, I'm under so much stress. This is just terrible. I didn't say anything except you took out a jumbo loan without jumbo provision. And so provision is one of the ways God guides. And then the prophetic, of course. And it's in no particular order here. But those are the seven ways. And I, and I wanted to give that because... People are always asking me when I share with them. The first promise I ever received from the Lord that was revelation to me, that was God-breathed, or one of the first promises, was John 15, 7. And you probably know what that says. I was a brand new Christian. I was 20 years old. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. And I had a lot of things that I willed. But the number one thing that I desired was to have a child. And I had always believed that I wasn't worthy to have children. I don't know where that came from. You know, most of the things we worry about are unfounded and ungrounded and aren't going to happen anyway. I forgot the statistic. It's something like 85% of the things you worry about never happen. So worry is just wasted faith. And it'll drain you. It will just drain you. And I mean, Jesus even said, why do you worry? Can you add a single cubit to your stature? I don't know how much cubit is, but let's just say inch. How many of you by worrying can add an inch to your stature? Nobody. Nobody. I was sharing with my oldest grandson, who's my Aggie boy, and he was in for Thanksgiving, and we got to go and and uh, get something, uh, get lunch together. It was so, so fun. And he's a tall boy. I mean, he's over 6'4". And I just love standing next to him because I always wanted to be 5'2". And I'm 5'5". And I've told you the reason I always wanted to be 5'2 is because in my generation, there was that song, 5'2", eyes are blue, but oh, what those five feet can do. And I just knew if I were 5'2", I'd... Be perfect. How many of you are 5'2 in here? How many of you have had a perfect life? How many blondes? Blondes have more fun. Raise your hand if you're a blonde. Have you had more fun? No trials, right? I even bleached my hair once and had blonde hair. I looked horrible, but I did it. You remember, Pam, I had real short hair layered and it was blonde. And then when it turned into straw, and I changed it back. <laughs> but if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will. Well, I looked up the Greek, and do you know that one of those things that ask means is the word demand? Now, we don't demand from God, but we demand the enemy release our God-given rights promised in the God-breathed word of God. And here's the problem, and, and I, I might lose a lot of you by saying this, but I'm telling you, get in the covenant, and you will see that I'm right. We are asking and begging and pleading for God to do what he's already done. And that is not how you do it. You demand that what he's already done is rightfully yours by inheritance. How many of you have ever received an inheritance? Raise your hand. 
Now, I want to ask you something. Did you receive that inheritance because you died or because somebody else did? My inheritance is because Jesus died to bring me heaven's glory. He said, I'll open for you the, the good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hands. And you will lend to many nations. You will not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Your enemies who come out against you one way, flee before you seven ways. What am I quoting to you? Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, the blessing of Abraham. Well, but that was Abraham, really? Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has purchased my freedom, redeeming me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham may come to those who believe. I'm talking to you present tense here. He's already done it. What were Jesus' last word? Not words, a word. To tell us, die. It is finished. And yet, oh God, I'm begging you. It's finished. God, please. But it's finished. If I were handing you a $100 bill right now, and Janice took the $100 bill, and she said, Sandy, and she put it in her pocket. Sandy, I'm starving. I haven't eaten in days. I have no money for food. Janice, I gave you $100, but I don't have any money for food. But it's in your hand. Use what I've given to you. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but that's what we do. Learn your covenant rights. Learn. You know, the last intelligent conversation I was able to have with my sister, I'll never forget it. She asked everybody to leave the room. And, and these were honestly the last words to me that were not under the influence of medication to help with the pain. And she looked at me and matter-of-factly said, I'll never forget it. I thought I would beat this thing. Last words. Well, not going to get into the theology of it, but the way you beat things is by making this your lifeline. The word as a lamp unto my feet, a light into my path. It is alive and full of power and sharper than any two-edged sword. It has self-fulfilling power. And I overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony. I want this to be my testimony. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask, demand what you will. It's already finished. And that might be up here, but I've worked 50 years on getting it here. And it takes a lot of diligence. When I was a brand new believer, I'm the first person to ever tell me about Jesus was my Aunt Juliet, and I called her Auntie. And she makes me look like vegetable broth. You do. And uh, I remember one day she came to me. She called me Sandra. And I never liked being called Sandra because I only got called Sandra when I was in trouble. But Auntie was allowed to call me Sandra. She loved me. And she was from North Carolina. She was a, a Tar Hill. She had beautiful green eyes and a, a spirit. That, I mean, she was just bigger than life. I promise you, if you put Auntie next to me, you would think I was a shy, withdrawn wallflower. That's how strong she was. And uh, she had big muscles in her biceps. And she used to do this. And there was an old song. Okay, young people, you're going to think this is crazy. But the words were, there's a place in France where the alligators dance. I don't know where that came from. 
and she would do her muscles and sing, there's a place in France. And her muscles would go blah, 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 like that. And uh, so she came to me and she slapped this book in my hand. She said, read this. And it was published in originally in 1953, which is the year I was born. So she gave this to me in actually 1974. I was 20, but it was, I hadn't turned 21 yet. And it's called God's Psychiatry by Charles Allen. And this is the original book, and you can see that the pages are very yellow. It's old. And I needed a psychiatrist, all right. I sure did. I mean, I've shared with you my past, and I only share it for illustration, not because I live in it, because I don't. I forget what lies behind, and I reach for what lies ahead. Press on for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And, but I needed a psychiatrist. You know, I'd been through a lot. I'm not going to go through the story, including being sexually molested. Actually, by a physician that was a good friend of my father's. And I didn't dare say anything because it would have been my word against his, and I would not have been believed because I was a liar. I wouldn't have been lying about that, but I was a liar. I lied to, to save what I thought was to save my life. And so she handed me a book, and I just believed it was God's psychiatry, and it is. And it was about four things, the 23rd Psalm, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Beatitudes. And the whole premise is that these four areas of Scripture would be enough to heal your brokenness. And so I just want to read one part to you. The first part of it was the 23rd Psalm. And he was talking about, he restores my soul. He restores my soul can have another meaning. Moffat translates it to read, he revives life in me. Like a watch, the human spirit can just run down. We lose our drive and we lose our push. We become less willing to attempt the difficult. We are crusaders no longer. Like squeezing the juice from an orange and leaving just the pulp, life has a way of squeezing the spirit out of a person. A person can become only a shell. We feel the thrill of no new enthusiasm. The draw, dawn of a new day leaves us cold and hopeless. I'm speaking to someone here right now. The Bible tells that God made the first man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And God has the power and the willingness to breathe a new breath of life into one who is lost. I thought, wow, I, I haven't got, I do have the translation, the Moffat translation. But I'm, I hadn't gotten it out. I love that. He revives life in me. Shortly after I started reading the Bible in February of 1974, in the, at the end of June in 1974, I was getting ready to go out with my husband, who was then my fiancé. We were getting married in July. This July will be 50 years. And what do you think he's going to give me? What do you get for 50 years? Think big. And put in your suggestions and... And um, I think I deserve it because I want to tell you something, those of you who aren't married and want to be, it's a lot of work to train a man. How many of you agree? It's a lot of work. No, I think they're great most of the time. And um, where was I? I'm all off on my anniversary now. Yeah, where was I before? Going on a date. Thank you, Kim. And, and I'm, I was sitting at a vanity, you know, it has a stool and the dresser. And I looked in the mirror and I saw this very large lump right there in my throat. It was huge. It was like a, the size of a golf ball. And, um, you know, now my neck's aged. But then it was very smooth and you could see it. See, the good thing about getting older is it covers. <laughs> and so I called my mother in and my mother took me to the military hospital, Wilford Hall. And this 
surgeon walks in. He takes one look at me, and he said, you need surgery. And I remember, I, I was horrified. I said, you haven't even examined me. He goes, I don't need to examine you. You need surgery. He said, that's your thyroid. And he said, uh, we're going to take it out, and if it's benign, then you're fine. And he said, the problem is you're not, you'll never get insurance. So we need to go ahead and do this now. And uh, they did what they had at the time, a scan. And apparently, if it scanned warm, it was part of a functional node in your thyroid. If it scanned cold, it was intrusive, and it scanned cold. So they told us there was a 20% chance it was malignant, and there was a chance that they would cut my vocal cords and I wouldn't be able to talk. That would have been inconvenient. And I remember, that's when Auntie gave me this. And I remember going into surgery, saying the 23rd Psalm, because I memorized it. I was, I was very scared. I don't want you to think I was brave. I was, and I was scared. I, was, I remember shaking, and I remember them st uh, strapping me down. And I remember the most horrible moment when one of the surgical attendants was somebody I'd gone to high school with. And all I could think of is that I wasn't dressed because they don't let you wear clothes into surgery. And I just remember thinking, I am humiliated. I am horrified. I am humiliated. And I'm hungry. <laughs> and I was shaking. I can just remember just like this. I was very, very scared. And it turned out when they removed this, it dissolved in their hands. It was nothing. And I know the Lord did that for me because all I knew is that the Lord is my shepherd. What happened? The Lord, was, the word was a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, every, say every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And somehow I knew the word of God was my blueprint and would continue to be. And so I've given you the seven ways God guides. But for me, it is number one, the word of God. And so this is how I want to just finish this up. If the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, the word of God will give you every answer you need to comfort you, to counsel you, to help you, to teach you to comfort you. Whatever you need can be found in what is alive and powerful. Therefore, the first person we should go to on a daily basis is the Word because the Word is Jesus. I don't know how I can be any more clear. I really don't. Rick on Sunday just gave such a powerful, powerful message. And... Uh, and he said something that really blessed me. He said, if you have a conversation with Sandy Ross, you're going to hear word. And he's right. Because this is how I started my new life in Christ. If you're a believer, I'll just tell you it's the word. If you're not a believer, I'm going to speak it. I had somebody that I went to college with. And she and her husband and me and Randy, we go play tennis every single night. I, I clearly remember. We go play tennis. And then we'd go to this place called Burger Hut. This was at A&M. And we would get a vanilla Coke. And we'd take it back to, to our marriage student housing. And she and I, he, Randy and him would sit in the den and talk. And she and I would lay on my bed and visit. And years later, I'm talking decades later, I saw her again and she came to me. She said, I just want to tell you something. She said, I've never told you this, but I did not know the Lord. And she said... I would listen to you night after night. And I realized I didn't know Jesus. And I gave my heart to him because of your testimony. And I just wanted you to know that because I never told you. You do not know how many lives you will affect by being a living epistle. A living epistle. You don't have to preach it, people. Just speak life, speak joy. We had in our marriage group, 
a lot of times we'll do these pop-up things where we'll say, just, let's just go around the room and say one thing that you love about your spouse or say one thing encouraging about your spouse. I mean, we'll just go around the room like this. We'll, we'll just Everybody will do it. Everybody will do it. So the last time we did it, it was toward the end of the year. The last time we did it, I'll never forget it because it's something I didn't know. And Randy said, she always has joy. And I wanted to go, I do? I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Because this is the one that lives with me and sees me at my worst. But she always has joy. But you know what that did? And, and I don't believe I do, even though it's the fruit of the Spirit. I don't believe I always manifest it. But what it did for me is it made me conscious to live in the joy of the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe that's why the Lord had him say that, is he was honestly slapping me upside the head. <laughs> Again, as a new believer, we were off. I, well, I'll tell you a story. This was terrible, honestly. So Randy and I got married July 13th, 1974, Saturday. That Sunday morning, we packed up a borrowed station wagon, went back to College Station. He began his master's degree on that Monday, July 15th, and I finished my senior year. I graduated a semester early in December of 74. That was our honeymoon, nothing. The night of our honeymoon, my uncle was the architect for the Hilton Palacio del Rio on the river. Again, this is decade, decades ago, over 50 years. And uh, so he got us a honeymoon suite. We went to check in. It was about midnight, one in the morning. And somebody had canceled our reservation. And so they put us in a room that wasn't used. It had cockroaches. I'm not lying to you. I was absolutely grossed out. So we go to the vending machine. We get a soda. And we sit on the balcony because I refused. I refused to be in the room. That was our wedding night. I wouldn't even let him take the bedspread off the bed, which now you know that's even actually dirtier just to let you know, but I didn't know that. We'd been married a year, and my mother-in-law called one day. My mother-in-law's with the Lord now, and my mother-in-law said uh, to Randy, your sister's getting divorced, and we want to send you and Sandy on a honeymoon. We want to send you to San Francisco and to Las Vegas, and we'd never been to either. And so we're so excited. She said, we're sending you on an all-expense-paid trip, airfare, food, hotel. But what we didn't know after we said yes is that not only was the sister-in-law going, but she was staying in the same room. That was our honeymoon. My point is we didn't have a honeymoon ever. <laughs> so we had been married, uh, let's see, 1978. 19, it was 1980. We got married in 1974, 1980. And we had some friends say, hey, we're going on a cruise. We're going on a Caribbean cruise or Caribbean or however you say it. And uh, we want you and Randy to go with us. It's an eight-day cruise. and Well, we didn't have the money. And we just didn't have the money. But the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I began to seek the Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to direct me in the word. Now, this is what I want to say to you. The word of God is, is God breathe. So even though he may be talking about a different time, a different situation, different people, he can still speak to you because the word is alive. And some of you may not understand that. Now, I'm not talking about Christian roulette. Judas went and hung himself. Go and do you likewise. I'm not talking about that. You know that. The word is God breathes, so you can find answers in the word. And so, and I was, I'm, I'm still young in the Lord. I'm only six years old in the Lord, and I'm asking him, Lord, I need to know if we're supposed to do this because we had to give an answer. And I clearly remember, I was reading the book of Acts, and I was in Acts 10 and verse 20. And I saw this scripture, and he was talking to Peter. Peter sought the Holy Spirit. 
And he said, arise and get down and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. What it said. And I just, it was pop off the page alive. I said, Randy, we're supposed to go and doubt nothing. God has sent them to ask us to make up for us a, an eight-day trip with your sister in the same room. Now, I wouldn't think much of that now, but I'm telling you, I did then. I mean, for heaven's sake, I was 21 years old. And so, within a week, God supernaturally provided. Remember, seven ways God guides. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Where there's vision, there's provision. Supernaturally provided every penny and then some for that cruise. And my mother kept the kids, and we went on an eight-day cruise, had a wonderful time. I'll never do it again because I am way too controlling to be on a boat for that long. In fact, I went to uh, one of the ship authorities and told them to land a plane on the boat and take me. And I did. I'm telling you the truth. I really did that. Yeah, you probably don't want to travel with me. But the word spoke to me. Fast forward many years. I'm just giving you a few examples and then we'll close. My son-in-law got orders to Panama, and he wasn't my son-in-law at the time, but the Lord had spoken to me that he was Katie's husband. The Lord had spoken to her that he was her husband, and I could not see how these young people were going to last two years. And I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, and he gave me Isaiah 43, 4, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and because I love you, I will give men in return for you and people in exchange for your life. And I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that God was going to do something big. And this is what I want to say to you. He didn't do it the way I thought by canceling the orders and keeping him there. I'm not going to go through the whole story. I've done that many times. He didn't do it the way I thought. But the minute my son-in-law, the day my son-in-law got to Panama, his best friend became the guy who, who ran the military Watts line. We didn't have... The free cell phone. I mean, if you used your cell phone, at the time it was a mobile phone or a car phone. It was like $3 a minute. We didn't have that capacity that we do now. And he literally, he got to call all day long, anytime he wanted. Got him on space available. He flew in military hops all the time. We saw him all the time. God made a provision. And he gave someone in exchange for my son's life. To make that provision. Because the word of God is alive. And I want you to learn to go to the word first. Before you go to any man. Before you go to any circumstance. Go to the word first. And ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. Teach me. Help me. Comfort me. Counsel me. Guide me. Guide me with the living word. Jesus said those who worship me must worship in spirit and truth. If you just have spirit you get wacky. Because the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. If you just have truth without the liberty of the Holy Spirit, you got law. It's spirit and truth. Let's see, what do I have time for? Oh, I'll tell you my favorite and then we're going to close. I could tell you hundreds. Years and years and years ago. This was 40 years now. My... Um, my husband, well, I'd had a flat tire. I was pregnant with our third child, and I had my five- and seven-year-old. And, again, I did, I did not have a car phone or whatever they're called. Uh, if I, yes, if I recall when Courtney was born, we had a mobile-type phone, and it was a box. Remember those? Where you literally carried a box. It was bigger than this. And it had, a, you know, the hello, this kind and if you went someplace, you had to carry the box with you. And so after Courtney was born, we got one of those things, whatever they were called. And when we went out, I would tell my, the girls, we would take the baby, of course. And I would say, you know, unless you're bleeding, you better not call because it was really expensive. And they always did call because they were usually bleeding because they were fighting. But, but... 
it was a really hard time. We had been defrauded greatly by people we had trusted and, and defrauded of tens of thousands of dollars. We were honest. They were not. And so I'm walking home. We have this flat tire. I have, I'm holding the girl's hands. We're on the side of a very lonely, dark road. And all of a sudden, up drives my husband. And he'd been to the doctor. And he had had a bad report. And I got in the car. And the minute I got in the car, my husband declared that he was not having it, that he was blessed, and that he would be fine. And although I got into agreement with him, I was scared. I was expecting our third child. We had just been defrauded. I didn't know what to do. But I went to the Word. The lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. The Word that's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word that you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This Word. I went to the Word. And I'll tell you the truth. I prayed for three months. Three months. And one day, as I was praying, again, this living Word, it just came alive. I don't know how to describe it to you if, you, if you've never had it happen to you. But, but it's literally like a light is shining on it. And you, you don't just believe you know. You know you know. And I read these words, Isaiah 61, 6. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord, and people will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, you will shout for joy over your portion. You will possess double what you forfeited. And I knew I'd heard God. Because my husband had received a word from the Lord that he was going to supernaturally heal him. And I'll tell you, that is what happened. He was supernaturally healed. Without any medical intervention. I'm not saying you shouldn't have medical intervention. If you don't have a word from God, you better have medical intervention. But he had a word from God. And he had full faith. And he was supernaturally healed. And by the way, the word is medicine, just in case you don't know that. And so, but when I read that, you will be called the priest of the Lord, plural. People will speak of you as the ministers of our, of our God. I knew right then my husband would live. And I, that was 40 years ago, and he was alive this morning. Actually, more than 40 years. But then instead of your former shame, because we were defrauded, you will have a twofold recompense. You will receive double what you forfeited. So I took that word and I wrote down everything that we had been defrauded of. I'm just telling you, this is how you do it. I wrote it down and I began to declare by faith every day. Because see, we don't pray Old Testament prayers anymore. New Testament is decree. That's New Testament. Remember, you shall ask what you will. You shall make a demand on the enemy to release the tetelestai word of God. What is finished? And so, I wrote down everything that we had been defrauded of. I had a whole list. It was the same people that had done it. And I calculated. Now, I'm just going to make up an amount, Okay. Let's just say $1 million. And I said, in the name of Jesus, instead of our former shame, we have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, we shall for joy over our portion. Therefore, we shall possess double what we forfeited, $1 million plus accrued interest accumulated at market value since this date. And I was diligent. I kept the pressure on, didn't let go. I never checked on it because, listen to me, and I'm going to close with this. I'm not going to finish. Isaiah 55 says that God's word will not return void. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, so shall my word be 
It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. That's what it says. But if you start telling God when and how, you're going to be really disappointed. Don't tell God when and don't tell him how. Just keep returning his word. So in my mind, this, I'm making up again, the $1 million plus accrued interest accumulated at market value over the past however many years. In my mind, that was just a windfall, right? I mean, we were just out of the blue, going to get a check or win the lotto, which don't buy lotto tickets, so that would be really hard, but maybe somebody would give me one. That's how I said it was going to happen. But you know, and I'm just telling you the truth, the other day, you know, my husband is a CPA and he's a financial advisor and he came to me and he said, honey, do you, do you want to see our financial portfolio? And I, yeah, I don't understand all those things. I mean, just numbers are not my thing. Randy tells people she knows how to write checks. I can balance a checkbook, but I, you don't want me to be in charge of your finances. God gave me a wonderful husband, gifted husband. And so I, he was showing me this, and I'm going, yeah, well, praise God, that's good. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that's good. Yes, thank you, Lord. You know, you tithe. I never worry about it. He opens the windows of heavens. He said we can test him. He rebukes the devourer. Our land is blessed. I don't, I don't really think about it. I trust God. I believe. Test God, as he said you can in Malachi 3. And so I'm not thinking much of it. And he gets to the very end, because he knows I'm not really paying attention. And he said, so this is the result. And then he looks at me and he says, you know, the whole thing about accumulated at market value, interest over the past. And I went, it was exactly... Exactly. Amen, amen. Now, did God just put it in a little box and wrap a bow around it? No. It came through diligence and perseverance and being faithful stewards. Faithful stewards of the tithe and the gifts of God that he had entrusted. Faithful stewards of time, talent, and treasures. But his word did not return empty. So I'm saying to you today, go to the word of God. Let the word be a lamp unto your feet. As we conclude this year, and I have a, a, just a wealth of things the Lord has given me for 2024. But my spiritual father said, I just saw it the other day. I'm really excited about it. He said, the Lord said 2024 will be the year of more. 2024 will be the year of more. More prosperity, more joy, more health, more wisdom. But it's also going to be the year of more judgment for those who obstinately oppose the will of God. And I'm not in that line. I mean, it's kind of like, what line are you going to get in? You ever go to, like, say, go to Hobby Lobby when you leave here? You'll regret it. And, you know, there's ten lines. And what do you do? You go look at every line to see which one is the shortest. Then you get in the wrong line. I just want to be in the right line. Right? Know this. Psalm 25 says, All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Read what Jesus himself said in John 14 and 16 about the Holy Spirit. And let him guide you, counsel you, comfort you, and transmit to you, and declare to you what is to come and what will happen in the future. God will not fail you. His word will not fail you. It will not return void. I could stand up here until next year and tell you story after story from my own life. And I'm going to have exciting stories for 2024, and so will you. Father, thank you that your word never returns void. I pray for everybody in my hearing, Lord, that you will light, put your flashlight, the flashlight of heaven, on the scripture for these dear ones. And lead them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.